Amen, and thank you. You can be seated. I want you to know that today we actually have a very special Sunday. As many of you know, this is our Senior Recognition Sunday, and so we are super excited for the graduating class of 2021 that's gonna be here. And so just a minute, Pastor Dillman Dimmitt is gonna read their names off. Pastor, they're gonna come greet me on the stage where I get to hug on them and um, embrace them on behalf of all of you. And then we'll be handing them a Bible um, and really just praying over them as a church as they prepare for God's incredible journey journey that he has ahead of them. But I just want to take just a second, just tell you a little bit about this class. I want you to know that this class has been through a, one of the most strange senior years that any class has had to be a part of, right? We know that. It's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs and a lot of hardships, but man, have they prevailed. This senior class has been more involved and more invested in their faith than any senior class before them. They have been invested into our junior high students. In fact, for this year, our senior class is bringing more of their friends to Beach Week than any other high school grade that we have signed up. That's incredible. Their love for their friends, their love for the, for the underclassmen behind them and the junior high ministry has been nothing short of pastoral. And that's why we don't just recognize them as the graduating class of 2021, but Woodlands Church, this is our missionary class of 2021. And we're excited about that. So we're gonna read their names. I'm gonna ask you to try to hold your applause till the end, and then we will recognize them and pray over them. Here we go, the class of 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, the graduating class of 2021 right here. Would you remain standing for just a moment? Seniors, this is the picture that I want you to leave with seeing this church standing with you and for you. It is our deepest prayer as your church to see you step out and hold to the convictions that you know to be true, things that have been instilled into each of you since the time you were born. Many of you being dedicated in this church, now having risen up to be sent out by this church. You have had countless convictions developed while you're here, hold to those. That Bible that you hold in your hands will guide you into God's plan and purpose for your life. We love you, we believe in you, we know the road that lies ahead of you is not gonna be an easy one, but it's one that you won't have to travel alone. We're here with you. We're standing behind you, praying that God will guide you not through easy circumstances, but instead that you will rise above your circumstances, being a light for him wherever you go and whatever you do. Church, would you pray with me over them? Would you just reach out your hands towards them and let's pray a prayer of blessing over them? God, we love you. God, on behalf of every parent and grandparent and friend of a student on this stage, God, we stand in awe of what you've done and how you've prepared them. God, we know that um, they're yours first. So God, we entrust them to you. God, we give them back to you as we've tried to do every day of their life. God, we pray a hedge of protection around them from the attacks of the enemy. And then God, we ask that as they step out into universities across this nation, some of them potentially going overseas, that God, that they would hold to what they know to be true. They would not waver to the left or to the right, that their hearts would be tender, towards the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that when he even pricks their heart, that it would convict them and bring them right back to what they know to be true. 
that God, that they would be risen up as the parents of the next generation that we need, who are gonna stand for the faith, stand for the gospel of hope, that they will grow up to be businessmen and women and politicians and leaders of our country that we need who stand firm upon biblical principles, who stand upon their connectedness and their relationship with you and a fight for unity with each other. God, we love you. We thank you for what we've seen you do in their life and we praise you today for what we know you are going to do in their future lives. Ah, God, my heart grieves on one level and it celebrates on another because I know they're ready. We give them to you. We love them. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. One more time, the graduating class of 2021. (laughs) Kind of not fair to have the student pastor have to do senior recognition and then come preach. Uh, Man, uh, tough one to try to wrap my emotions around just how much uh, we love those students on this senior recognition weekend. But wow, um, what a graduating class that we have. And to, to you as a church, well done and what you're doing and raising up the next generation. It's, it's incredible and I'm just so pleased and honored to get to be a part of seeing that come full circle. It's, it's truly amazing. But you know, it, it's so interesting getting to, getting to work with our seniors, getting to work within my own heart as we've challenged each other this year. You know, one of the things that can be so difficult in life is to not get stuck on the big questions, not get stuck by the hurts and the challenges and things that we have, to not get challenged or stuck by the big questions. And for for so many of us, we understand that as these seniors go off to college, we know that one of the things that they're gonna face is a questioning of their faith, having to be challenged with scientific things or or biblical things or other religious things and, and having to answer and having to deal with some of the big questions that they might not have the full answers to because truthfully, we don't have the full answers to and the people who are challenging them don't have the full answers to. And if you know anything about those big questions, man, they can, those, they can, what they can do is they can really begin to plant a seed of doubt in your heart. Whether it's a temptation or a struggle or things they are, you can just find yourselves getting stuck. <laughs> and getting stuck is no fun. And for many of us in this room, you know exactly how unfun it is to get stuck when you're in a vehicle, right? When you're in that moment, when you're on the beaten path and you need to whip a U-turn and you're looking into the shoulder or the median or maybe you're on some farmland in the grassy field and you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm good here. And you take it off the beaten path only just to hear the just a few seconds later. And, <laughs> and then if it's your first time, right, there's the flood of emotions and embarrassment. And then you do the one thing that you're hoping will solve it. You yank it into reverse and you flood the gas and it's even more. And now you're really panicking because on some level, there was this part in your heart that realized from the very beginning, I probably, this probably isn't gonna be the best choice to do. But then there was something that kicked into gears. Like, I just gotta make the turn. I just need to get out of here. And you acted rashly and you got yourself stuck. And trying to get unstuck The challenge with trying to get unstuck typically comes with the humility that it takes to ask for help. I'm not the kind of person who just generally likes to ask for help, and so I'll start rocking that thing until occasionally, right, I've sunk not just one tire, but now all four tires are just sunk, right? Where it's not just gonna take another vehicle, it's gonna take a tow truck to get this thing out of there, or the John Deere tractor showing up to pull you out. It's no fun getting stuck, not in life and Uh, in the physical things of of a vehicle and certainly not when it comes to the spiritual questions that we can get stuck on. And so a lot of times when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our spiritual walk, for a lot of us, when we get stuck on the hard questions, 
God, where are you when bad things happen? God, where are you? And this, I don't understand how this scientific data that's coming out, how that relates with what I see as to how you reveal yourself in scripture and how these two things align. And someone's really challenging me on this. And so, ugh, I'm getting stuck here. Or there's a temptation that I find myself continuing to struggle with and keep going back to. And I find myself just getting cut up into it where I now don't, I get stuck in the mindset that I'm not worthy of coming back to God. I, I feel too far from God. I just get stuck. I get stuck in an emotion. I get stuck in a mindset. Now, I, there are things that are just hard for me to get past spiritually as to, do I really need to do this thing? And it's just a sticking point for you. And your faith's only ever able to grow to that point of where all of a sudden you just find yourself just spinning your wheels spiritually. And what it can do as a Christian is it can cause us to, as we really look at the Bible, to say, you know what? Maybe what I'm supposed to do then is just to not have questions at all. No, that's not true. In fact, questions all throughout scripture by God are welcomed. We absolutely should be bringing questions. So many people in scripture had questions, right? Moses had questions for God. Moses questioned, God, are you sure you're sending the right guy? What about my speech impediment? How can you be sending me? Don't you know what Pharaoh did? Why me? Uh, uh, Abraham had questions, right? As to God, do you realize how old I am and you're saying that I'm gonna have a descendant? How can that be that I'm able, that my wife and I are able to have a kid at such advanced age? Gideon, the great deliverer of Israel and judge, had a question of saying, but I'm the least of my family. We're the least tribe. God, how can it be me? God, could you give me a sign that this is really from you? Jesus' disciples often had questions for Jesus. Why are you doing this? Why would you have to die? Which of us is gonna be the greatest? They had lots of questions for Jesus as to why he was doing what he was doing and what it meant for them. Jesus himself had a question for God on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Questions aren't something we should be afraid of. It's just about making sure as we ask questions, if there's one thing that I can bring our hearts back to, it's not that asking questions or facing the big questions are bad. And the truth is, you're never gonna have the answer to every question, no one does. And trying to go down the road of I need to know the answer to every question before I place my faith in the answer, Jesus Christ, is not gonna lead to a very fruitful life. And that's really what I have found in my own life. It's kind of this principle of trying to weigh what matters most. And what I have found in my own life, what has given me great peace in being able to defeat doubt what has given me the ability to get unstuck is when I consider it kind of like a scale. And we know what a scale is, right? It's something that measures the weight of something. And when you bring Jesus into the scene, when you go through your thought life, when you're getting stuck on things and you really begin to make sure that in every circumstance, no matter what it is that you're going through, that you take time to consider also Jesus. Maybe your family's going through financial hardship and it's like, we don't see a way through this. God, where are you when we need you? And on some level, it has caused some in your spiritual journey. You're stuck, you're spinning out. Take time to remember that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. If God loved you so much, if we really can lay hold of the fact of how much God loved us and what he was willing to go through to allow us to be reconnected to him, do you believe that in your financial hardship that God has forgotten you? No way. 
And when you focus on the cross, it helps. If you're dealing with temptation or a struggle and you feel far from God because of that and you're getting stuck and, and, and doubting your own worthiness, you're doubting God's goodness and his ability to deliver you, man, go back to the cross. Let that be a part of your thinking. Make sure that the cross is in your heart and in your mind as what you're going through. Maybe there's just a big question that someone's challenging in scripture. Maybe that's a place that you get to is that you just go through times in your life of where someone has challenged some verse, some passage in scripture, and you're having a hard time taking the information that they're giving you from their studying from a human perspective and being able to compare that and relate that to God's perspective that he reveals in scripture. And it's just caused you to always have this sticking point. It's made you a skeptic, maybe even pushed you into atheism or to be an agnostic and just, you're just spinning spiritually. God's not afraid of your questions and you don't need to fear questions either. But if you bring the cross back into it, if you really take time to consider who Jesus is in your life, then all of a sudden you don't fear those things. You begin to realize that all those hardships that you face in your life are the opportunity for you, and do not miss this, to build your testimony. Woo, students, there is nothing more important apart from receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior than letting what Christ did for you begin to build your testimony. You see, as you go through hardships in life, as the problems begin to fall, whatever those big, huge, heavy problems are, as long as you continue to involve your thinking of saying, man, I do not see my way past this problem. I am not sure how I'm going to get our family through this hardship. If you take time to look back at the cross, all of the big questions that you have in front of you will not compare to the faithfulness of the understanding of what we have because of Jesus that he is going to bring us through. And instead, we're able to look at those hardships as the opportunity to build our testimony, to be able to grow in confidence as we face a problem that we cannot see our way through, as doubt begins to enter into our mind, as the big questions come that are causing us to spin our wheels, wheels spiritually, as God comes through and pulls you out of that hardship over and over and over again, when he pulls up his John Deere of faith and angels and the love of God and the church and comes alongside of you and pulls you out of that muddy ditch, woo! All of a sudden, you begin to grow in confidence of knowing that God's gonna come through the next time. But if you take your eyes off the cross, it is amazing how quickly you will feel just crushed with doubt. All of a sudden, the big problem becomes the only problem that we can see. And then the reality is those big questions, it doesn't matter whether you've been a believer for 50 years or five years or five minutes. It is amazing how quickly doubt can enter into our mind as we come into a hardship or we feel a little bit of disconnection from our faith and from God. It comes to all of us. And so if that's where you are or you look back and you are wondering why you are where you are today of you want to have a crazy amazing, connected faith, but you kind of feel a little bit, even as a parent or a grandparent, that you've been going through the motions for a little bit. And it's beginning, in some cases, to bring a seed of doubt into your mind of, is it really worth getting up and going to church every morning on Sundays and, and doing that? Is it worth making carving out time every day to have my Bible study? Are we sure that we're doing things the right way? Have we placed our faith in the right things? And, and even as pastors, it is easy for the enemy to, to, as we go through hardships to begin to come and plant those seeds of doubt. But we don't have to give in to them. 
We don't have to let them overwhelm us when we continue to take a step back and see the big picture and always bring Jesus into the center. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And I want us to look at a passage that I think is important for us as we deal with people who are challenging us and bringing those questions and doubts into our lives, as well as the importance of us being patient with ourselves when we have questions and doubts. Paul challenged the church with this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. He says this, again I say, don't get involved in foolish arguments. Don't be afraid of asking the big questions, but don't get led astray by them either, which only upset people and make them angry. God's people must not be quarrelsome. Our job's not to jump into debates with people. They must be gentle, patient teachers of those who are wrong. Be humble when you're trying to teach those who are mixed up concerning the truth. Be patient with others and be patient with yourself if you find yourself getting stuck and spinning out. For if you talk meekly and courteously to them, they are more likely, with God's help, to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. This is a big verse. Then they will come to their senses and escape from Satan's trap of slavery to sin which he uses to catch them whenever he likes. And then they can begin doing the will of God. Would you pray with me? God, that is what we want to do. We want to be freed from Satan's trap. And God, as much as I would like to say, it's like, but man, Satan is so tricky and he comes after me in all these new ways and he's got all these creative game plans. God, I know in my heart that's not true. He really keeps getting me with the same stuff over and over and over again. And God, I can speak on behalf of our church. That's probably true for most of us. God, we don't wanna get caught so easily by Satan's trap. We don't wanna get stuck or bogged down by the same questions over and over and over again that causes us to spin out in our faith. So God, I pray that you would give us wisdom from your word today that allows us to approach our own hearts and the hearts of others with a spirit of humility and gentleness allowing and believing that with your help, that you will help us to come to our senses, to deliver us from Satan's trap so that we can begin to do the will of God and experience the fulfillment that comes from that. We love you. We give this time to you. It's in your son's time we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I, that last part of that scripture is so important, that part where it says that if we are gentle with ourselves and with one another, as we have these questions of doubt, it is so interesting that it says, then they will come to their senses and escape from Satan's trap. And isn't that what it's all about, Satan's trap? You know, one of the things that my family has watched and enjoyed is the Alone series, uh, where they, I don't know if you've seen it on the History Channel or what, it's on demand in a lot of places, but where they, these people get sent out, like, I don't know, 12 people get sent out to the Arctic. And they're at the season now where, like, if you survive 100 days in the Arctic, being your own camera person, on your own, completely isolated, you can win a million bucks. A hundred days in the Arctic. What I have learned is that if I'm ever going to take on that challenge, one of the things I better be really good at is building a trap. Being able to snare all the critters and creatures and animals around you because that is how they survive. But what is so interesting about watching that show is that even in the animal kingdom, it is so interesting to see how clever those animals are. 
as they have those trail cameras set up. And if the creature senses even anything about his normal path being different, it's just like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go a different way today. And as I read this scripture, I think about how God must look down at us and see the Satan setting out the same traps for us over and over and over again. And we're just like, dirty, dirty, dirty. We just fall into the same stuff over and over and over again. You know, I get stuck oftentimes in vehicles as I go to new places, but I'd like to say for the most part, for the most part, I've grown in wisdom of where it's like, I try not to go off into the same field that I got stuck in last time where I can still see the grass divots and, and places from where we had to drag it out the last time. That's like, you know what? I'm gonna at least get out and walk it this time before I just trudge in there. Do we have that kind of wisdom spiritually to begin to look at the hardships that you're facing, perhaps the struggles that you're in and be able to say, God, if this is the same old trick again, help me to be more alert than I was the last time be able to say, I'm ready for the enemy and I'm not gonna fall into his trap. I want instead, God, as I face this hardship, for it to be an opportunity for me to build my testimony. I cannot say that enough. How important it is to let the Lord build your testimony. And you're gonna see how important and how exciting it is to have a powerful testimony. If you never go through hardships, if you're never allowed, allowing the Lord through his power to overcome the big problems in your life, you have no testimony to be able to rely upon of remembering God's faithfulness. So when the future problems come, you're able to have an anchor that keeps you holding on to the convictions that you have. Which is why we can send out the graduating class of 2021 with confidence because we know that hardship is coming their way. But on some level, the challenges that they've been through in senior year, while we grieve for them and we grieve over our country and we grieve over our globe because of things that we've gone through, we also know that we have seen God come through and bring us through and continuing to bring us through. And it is a part of building our testimony of knowing that whatever hardship comes their way, that they have a testimony that says that God will come through. And that's true in my life too. I have to hold on to the testimony of what God's doing. Building your testimony, which doesn't mean don't ask questions. In fact, it means the opposite. Question everything. Question everything. Do not shy away from the big questions. We don't need to fear the big questions, the big theories and things that are out there and challenges to our faith because we have lots of good answers but also beyond just the answers directly to that questions, we have the answer, the peace that comes from knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior that gives you peace and an answer to the questions that you're still in process finding the truth to. And that's what we wanna be connected to. I love what Paul said about the Bereans in Acts 17, 11. It says, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. I love that. It wasn't that the Bereans were going back after everything that Paul and Silas taught or every sermon that, that it was preached and saying, I'm gonna try to find out what was wrong with what they said today. It was the fact that they were searching for what was true so they could measure their lives up against what's true and change their lives. And that's what we need to do too. 
Take this message, take it back to God's word, compare it to your own life and search for what is true so that the truth can guide you and keep you anchored through the big problems and the big questions that we can't see past. Listen, we know God's big enough for our questions. As parents in this place, or as kids in this place, we know that our parents weren't afraid of our questions. And, and as parents, we, aren't af- we actually enjoy it and understand that our kids asking questions is a part of the process. It's a little frustrating at times, but we also understand that it's important when you're asking that kid to jump into the pool into your arms for the first time. You're like, hey, come on, jump. And the kid inevitably says, are you sure you're gonna catch me? Well, what are they saying? They're saying, I see you, but I also see all this water that I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with. And it's not that we don't understand that there is fear there, but we're saying, hey, we're just asking you, take your eyes off the water and look at me. Have I ever dropped you? Besides that one time, have I ever dropped you? (laughs) Hold on, put your trust in me. It's not that you're afraid of their questions. It's saying, can you see that there's a bigger answer than the question you're asking? It's the love that I have for you. I would do everything to make sure that you're safe in this moment. If it's not that, maybe it's when you try to get your kid to eat a new food, right? A couple nights ago, I was trying to get my kid to eat a green bean. And he looked at me and he said, do I have to? I was like, you don't have to eat this one, but if you don't eat it, you're gonna have to eat eight. And he was like, what? Okay, I think I, so I do have to eat this one. I was like, well, kinda. And so trying to get him to eat that one green bean and he looked at it as though it was like, I was gonna poison him or something and, and just challenging him to eat one green bean. And it was like, son, did you realize that for the first several years of your life, you didn't even have a choice. We just fed you and look, you're alive. You can trust me to eat this one green bean, but he approached it with such question. It was like, look at me. I'm not gonna put, I'm not teasing you. I'm not, have I ever just tried to eat, get you to eat something gross other than that one time? Put your trust in me. It's gonna be okay, it's gonna be good, but if it's not that, maybe it's at the doctor's office when you try to convince your kid this shot is gonna be good for you. This is important for you. And they're like, no, it's not, it hurts. How can this be good for me? And having to get them to say, I know what your senses are telling you. I'm aware of the problem of pain that lies ahead of you, but look in my eyes and trust me, this is important for you. It's not that I can get you around the pain or take the pain away, but what I'm telling you is is that is when you come through this pain, you're gonna be thankful for it. If it's not that, maybe it's trying to convince your kid to go on that roller coaster and saying, it's gonna be fun, trust me. Or even just a toddler trying to get them to meet your new friend or an uncle that they haven't met and saying, here you go, go over there. And they're just like, and they hold on to your leg and it's like, what do you think I'm gonna do? Just hand you off to a crazy person? Have I ever done that? You can trust me, I'm right here. Some of you are like, that's exactly my kid at church, right? When you're trying to to get them to check in and they're just screaming, whatever, and it's like, didn't I come back every week? Except for that one time. (laughs) We're not afraid of our kids' questions. We're just asking them to look beyond them to see the truth of our love. God's not afraid of your questions. He's asking you to take a step back in the midst of your doubts and the midst of your challenges and to remember his love. So that as you're searching for truth, as the answers roll in, you don't walk away from experiencing the peace that comes from his love. It's important to ask questions, but ask the best questions, not just the easy ones. I love one of the things that my boys and I have been reading in the mornings. We just got to 1 Samuel 
before they leave for school, we do like a seven minute read every morning or whatever. And so we've been reading through 1 Samuel. And, and as I was preparing for this message, like, man, the story of David, David and Goliath, classic biblical story, right? Little boy versus big giant was so interesting because the Israelite army, God's chosen people who had seen God deliver their ancestors across the Red Sea, brought plagues into Egypt, right? Brought them across the Jordan River, having defeated many of people in the land, having cleared out their path, right? God had done many of things. They've already shouted at Jericho's wall and seen them crumble. They've heard the stories. The Israelite nation is now facing one giant, a nine-foot giant. And I want you to look at the question that the people of Israel had when David came up and saw Goliath there. It says this, as soon as the Israelites saw him, Goliath, they began to run away in fright. And here was their question that brought about that response. They said, have you seen the giant? The men asked, that was all they could see. The only thing they saw was the giant problem that was in front of them. Have you seen the giant? He's huge. Just a couple verses later, David speaks up and he says this, but David had different questions. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? And who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? See, it's important to try focusing on the answers you already have that are bigger than the questions you're facing. And the answer to the, that you already have is that God loves you. You have got to come to peace in your heart. Do you really, are you letting your entire life be lived by the fact that God loved you and came and gave his life upon a cross for you, took on human form and did for us what, he, what we could not do for ourselves? If you have laid hold of the fact that Jesus is in fact the savior of the world and more importantly than the savior of the world, your personal savior, and you keep coming back to that no matter what hardship you're facing, it is going to change your perspective on the problem. Not that you have to ignore it, not that it made the giant any smaller in David's eyes. He just said, have you seen the fact that we don't worship a pagan God or an, an idol made of human hands. We are the servants of the living God. And who can stand against that? The love that the Lord has for me. David had an anointing and catch this, David had a testimony of God's faithfulness, which is why he asked the best questions, not just the easy ones. And David was wise enough to follow the truth wherever it led, even if it led him to taking on a giant one-on-one. What was the truth that he had? David had an incredible testimony. This was not the first hardship he had been through. And he was able to recall God's faithfulness. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David said this, he said, don't worry about this Philistine, he said to King Saul. I'll go fight him. <laughs> don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Saul was just like his men. He only saw the giant. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, <laughs> I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me that's his testimony. From the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. 
Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I'm not going out there, but all right, you seem confident, go ahead. Don't we see that when we have the confidence in the midst of our hardships to put our faith in God, that people may not be able to join us, but wow, did the Israelite army change their tune when that giant fell to the ground. It filled everyone with courage. And that's why God says, I just need one who in the midst of their doubt, not having to pretend like they don't have doubts, but in the midst of their doubts, is able to rely upon the power of their testimony and the truth of my love to stand firm. And wow, as you see God bring people through, doesn't it spur you on? When you watch someone walk through hardship and overcome it by the blood of the lamb and by the power of their testimony, hasn't it inspired you? When you've come through your own hardships in your lives and you've put your trust in God, do you remember the spark that you had? Can you imagine the kind of enthusiasm that David had as he stood over that dead giant that everyone told him he couldn't defeat by God's power? Do you think he was just going through the motions, just being like, I think God's good? No way! Because he had stepped out in faith. It wasn't that he didn't have doubts, but he faced his doubts by the anointing that was on his life and by the power of the testimony that he had before him. Just as it says in John 3, 16, this is where it starts. This is where your testimony starts. As Nicodemus, the famous religious leader, had questions for Jesus, asking him all these questions, but the problem with Nicodemus was that his questions were keeping him from facing the truth that God had sent Jesus to save him from their sins. Nicodemus couldn't let go of the problems as to what he had with, but what about the law and these things? I've always understood these things. And he couldn't get past his doubts to see the truth that was right in front of him. And eventually Jesus had to share with him a story of when the Israelites were out in the wilderness and they questioned God and poisonous snakes came into their camp that were biting them and they were dying. And so God told, as the people cried out to Moses, Moses prayed and God said, Moses, I want you to build a bronze snake and put it up on a pole, lift it up high in the middle of the city, and anyone who gets bit by a poisonous snake can be saved if they just look at the snake. Now, the Bible kind of points to the fact that still tens of thousands of people died from snake bites. Can you process that for a minute? Ah, I just got bit by a poisonous snake. Dang it, it got me too. Hey, Go look at the bronze pole. No, I have a huge problem. I just got bit by a snake. No, I know. Your neighbor, Joe, he got bit yesterday, went and looked at the snake. He's still alive. Frank, your other neighbor, didn't look and he's dead. Just go look at the pole. I can't go look at the pole. I have a huge problem. It's a big deal. There is poison in my veins. No, I know you have a big problem. It is a big problem. We have seen multiple people experience healing from looking at the pole. Tens of thousands of people just said, no, I won't look. I just don't get how that works. How is looking at a pole supposed to do? I don't know for sure. But thousands of people that have are living and you're dying. Look at the pole. I can't. Jesus said, don't you understand? That's why the son of man must be lifted up as well. Because a lot of people are gonna have big questions and they're gonna get stuck on the big questions. I gotta give them something that they can look to that's the physical evidence of the love that I have for them. You're facing a big problem, I know. 
It feels like it's overwhelming you, it's crushing you, it's killing you. I know, I'm sorry, but there is an answer and it's looking to the cross. That's the only answer that I have. And it's proven to be good enough for me time after time after time again. It's a part of building your testimony. I don't wanna take away that hardship that you're going through in your life. It's a part of building your testimony. I just want you to look to the cross and help me to remember to look at the cross as I help you remember to look at the cross. And when we see God come through, woo! Your testimony is gonna be that much stronger the next time the enemy tries to trap you in that doubt and get your wheels spinning in your face. We gotta build our testimony. Do you know that even heaven gets excited about what we have in Jesus? In Revelation, we get a glimpse into heaven that when Jesus conquered Satan and when the believers began to lay hold of the truth of what they have because of Jesus Christ, when we began to lay hold of the power of the cross and the power of our testimony, did you know that in Revelation it reveals that a shout went out across heaven declaring this? This is what they said. Then John records that I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser, Satan, of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night trying to get their wheels to spin. You're too bad, you've made too many mistakes, you've doubted him too many times, there's no path forward for you. And they, we as a church, have defeated Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony and the fact that they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Maybe you came into this place and you're a skeptic. Maybe you're straight up atheistic, agnostic. You've got some questions that you're having a hard time getting past. I'd love to talk to you. I can't guarantee you I'll have the answers to a lot of your really hard questions. But I do have a truth. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That truth I can lay hold of. And when we lay hold of that truth and we cling to it, it says all of heaven shouts out, says, yes, at last, that doubt has come into Mark's heart that God's gonna be faithful if he trusts God with his tithes and his offerings, that God's gonna create. Look at Mark, by the blood of the lamb on having remembered how God has come through, Mark is stepping out in faith. Man, look at Woodland Church as they're stepping out of faith, having come through and walking through a pandemic and hardship and struggles and things they're going through. Look at my brother and sister in Christ who's being challenged with that new scientific theology and theory as to what person is going on, that by the blood of the lamb, their confidence of what they have in Jesus Christ and by the power of their testimony they're taking time to remember what God has done they are resenting and they are sorry they were, are resisting Satan's trap they're beginning to become alert and say I'm not going to fall for that thing again I'm not going to turn back into the same muddy trap again instead I'm going to live in confidence because I know who Jesus is and I believe in what he's done it's the power of your testimony do not run from your hardships just in your hardships, look to the cross. Because for each of us in this place, I have a feeling that you're a lot like me. And you can get so revved up spiritually and then something can just derail you and it's probably the same thing over and over and over again. Enough is enough. It's time to start getting alert. And you know what's so great? 
because of the power of the blood of the lamb, even if you give in to the deception and you, you get caught in the snare, there's grace. You win no matter what when you fight for connection. Even if you run from that giant problem in your life and you stop and you realize it and you're just willing to say to God, God, I'm sorry for running. God says, there's grace when you come to me and we can turn back to him. Satan truly has lost all power. So whether you've been running strong, spinning your wheels, it's time to turn to the love of the cross. As I said, one of the places where I get stuck the most often is on my dad's property up in Madisonville. So many times I'm like, I'm just sure I can make it this time. And man, when those wheels start spinning, the hardest thing to do is to pick up that phone and to call dad again. Hey dad, remember that field I got stuck in? Yeah, I'm stuck again. Dad, could you come? Could you bring the Ford F-250 4x4 King Ranch? Ha, 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 And pull me out again, Dad? And if that's not big enough, Dad, could you bring the John Deere 5E something something with the... Time after time, every time that I call, just a few minutes later, here he comes. Warm smile draped across his face. Hops out of his truck, tosses the chain over. We tie it onto the bumper and it has no chance against that kind of power. If I have that kind of testimony of my earthly father's faithfulness, woo, how will the world be changed when we grow in confidence of our heavenly father's faithfulness? Build your testimony. Don't be afraid of getting stuck. Just don't stop calling out to God and looking to his love. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And God, we need you because this world is broken and it is full of hurt and pain and hardships. And the enemy is persistent at trying to hold us in that hardship. But God, we are able to defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb, by the power of our testimony, remembering how faithful you've been, and by choosing to not love our lives so much that we're afraid to die. We choose to look towards heaven. This is not our home. And the way that you laid down your life for us on the cross, God, we give our lives back to you today. So heaven, start shouting because Woodlands Church is ready to start living from our testimony and from the power of the cross. Heaven, start shouting because the class of 2021 is gonna live by the power of their testimony, holding on to the blood of the lamb, choosing to lay down their lives for their friends the way that Christ laid down his lives for us we will not be defeated because the victory is ours in Christ. We love you. Thank you, Father. Send your son, send me pray. Amen. Hey, this is the time in our service where we give back to God our tithes and our offerings, but I wanna just take a moment and say, as you leave this place, parents, we're gonna have children's pastors and student pastors out there who are gonna help you register your second through 12th grader for camp. They need to go. They need to begin building their own testimony. It is amazing to see that year after year, hundreds of students make a commitment to follow Christ, rededicate their lives to Christ, get things right in their hearts, are able to evade and get out of those traps that the enemy is so persistent at putting in their path. They need to be there. 
and I'm asking you to do what it takes to get them there. Our first camp's deadline to be signed up is this week for our eighth through 12th grade camp. Don't miss the opportunity. Get them signed up today and let them begin building their testimony. They can't live off of your faith. They have to find their own. And they do that so often when they give God their undivided attention at a camp. I pray that you'll figure it out and help them be able to be there. And I can't promise you that they'll open up their hearts and meet God in that place, but what I can promise you is that I will preach my guts out to them. And I'll do everything I can to love them the way that you do and to support the things that you've been pouring into their lives. God, we give this time back to you, our tithes and our offerings, as we look to you, the maker of heaven and earth. Build our testimony. God, don't take us out of this world, but protect us from the traps of the enemy. Help us to be alert and help us to be able to stand firm, looking to the love that you showed for us and that you have for us to this day. We love you. It's in your son's time we pray, amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.